Welcome to 1C Church if you're new. My name is Pastor Jeff, and, and we're just so glad to have you in God's house. Some of you are like, I've never been to a God's house in a basketball court. Me neither. Everybody has the first. <laughs> Look to your neighbor, write this down, type in your phone, text a stranger, November 14th. Come on, everybody. November 14th. You can't forget this one. If you claim 1C Church online as your church, I dare you to show up November 14th. And anybody that knows me knows when I've done that before, it's usually something special. Because I don't, I don't say every, every, every week is special. You know, every pastor says, well, this week is special, but this is extra special. So online, some of you people that have been in the weeds for the last 12 months, but you're still hanging on, if this is your church, November 14th, you want to tune in. Because we've been plowing, baby, and we got something to share. I better stop now. Michelle would be giving me a look right now if she was here. No, but I was just thinking, like, God, God gave me this vision the other day. I saw, I saw this football game at a high school. And every parking lot spot was full. There was cars down the street to get to the game. There was cars, Nate, in the lot across the street to get to this game. There was a hunger to be at this game. And I thought, wouldn't it be crazy someday if those people were staring at 1C Church? If the stars were meant to worship, so will I. We have the faith of a mustard seed. God will move the mountains. Don't doubt God's power because the community doesn't believe in him because the community has lost him. Don't doubt God's still present because they don't see it. But as this series continues today, oh, this is so good. Week four of Vision Seekers, we're talking about Joseph acting on something no one else could see when he acted. And so we've been going through it. If, you, if today's your first day, we've been in this series on Joseph. Joseph, the one who wore the coat of, the coat of many colors, the son of Jacob, not Joseph, Jesus step, uh, half dad, stepdad, excuse me. And we're in week four and, and to catch you up, Joseph had a dream in a field in week one that his brothers tried to kill him over because of control. And we've gone all the way through to see now Joseph was sold into slavery, put in front of Pharaoh, the, the head of Egypt, because Pharaoh needed a dream interpreted. And, and Joseph had a gift of interpreting dreams. Everybody has a gift. What are you using your gift for? I'm not talking about wrapping paper. I'm talking about your gift that's meant to glorify God. Everybody has one of those. You think it's significant. God says, I put it in you for a reason. Why aren't you using it? If the stars were meant to worship, so will I. If I put a gift in you, why wouldn't you use it? You see how silly we can be with God? So, so Joseph recognized that. And now he's been promoted. And last week we called it, I've got a new robe because he was, he was, he had the, he had the big watch Felix and he had the chains and everything. He went from the dungeon to the, to second in command of Egypt. And so now he's got to like take the responsibility part of the promotion. This is, this is the hard part being Joseph 
because we all pray that God will take us to the promised land. But when God says, okay, well, who's going to manage that thing? You are. He's going to say, okay, that feels like work. And God says, it's good work. Work will make you feel rewarded and fulfilled. So now Joseph's actually being, he's had his first day in office here on the job. We're going to look at verse uh, 1 through 38 of chapter 42. Now, up until this point, remember, his other brothers are with Jacob, their dad, not in Egypt, and they're getting hungry because we've hit a famine, which is a lack of food in the area. And so they're getting hungry. Remember, these are the brothers that betrayed him, that caused him to get sold into slavery, that caused him to be promoted to the top of the ladder. It's so good, and then how God will use that thing. So this is where we're at, where Jacob's gonna encounter his brothers coming to him for food, and they don't even know it's him. They don't even recognize him. It's been so long that when they're going to see him, they don't even know it's their own flesh and blood. Has anybody seen God lately in the spirit and forgotten that he's right in front of us? You know, like we can do that. I can do that. Lately, I've been feeling a little, little like a, I always preach about rice cakes. Like we, we can't live on rice cakes. We got to have meat. And when, when I feel that way, I'm, I'm, God's saying, because you need meat too. So we all go through those drought, droughtful famines spiritually. That's when I get back in my Bible, honestly. That's when I know I'm, I'm not in enough. I need replenish. We all go through that, and that's a sign you need replenish. But this is so good. And it's, it's just as good as November 14th, by the way. Don't forget to show up November 14th. Online, I'm going to follow up with you on Messenger. Just kidding. I'll make Michelle do it. <laughs> we're, not, we're not crazy here. We're just full of silly humor. We love everybody. Verse 1, chapter 42. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there, buy some food that we may live and not die. So here they are starving, and his son, their sons are just looking at each other like, what do we do? You step, I step. Jacob says, get up off the couch, get to church. I mean, get up off the couch and go to Egypt and get some food if you want to survive. Otherwise, we're going to die. I mean, it's kind of legit that Jacob should, you know, give him a kick in the good old where they say, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. There. That's where we're talking about Jacob kicked them to get, get to Egypt. <laughs> then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to Egypt by grain, from, by grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. Just a little inside note, Benjamin was Jacob's favorite because he came from Rachel, his favorite wife. Yeah, he had a few. I know it's weird. I'm just giving you the Bible, people. So Israel's son were among those who went to buy grain, Israel being Jacob, for there was a famine in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor at this point of Egypt. Oh man, awkward of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Jesus, Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him and their faces went to the ground. Remember the dream? Do you remember what the dream was? It was the stalks bowing down to the middle stalk and Joseph represented the middle stalk. And now they went to get food and they're bowing down. Does this sound familiar? It sounds like the dream is coming to pass. Verse seven, as soon as 
Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended, everybody say pretended, to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. They said, no, my Lord, they answered. Your servants have come to this, get some McDonald's because we're starving to buy some food. And we are all sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, he said to them, you have come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, your servants were 12 brothers, the sons of one man who lives in the land of Canaan, that's Jacob, that's youngest is now with our father, that's Benjamin, and one is no more, that's Joseph who's in front of them. They think he's dead because they threw him in a cistern to have him killed. And then they said, let's not kill him. Let's send him into slavery. But they thought he's gone, but he's not. Everybody say, he's not. Just like that, he's not. Squeaky voice and all, little 14-year-old Jeffy. He's not. Verse 13, but they replied, your servants. Okay, yes, verse 14, Joseph said to them, it is just as I told you, your spies. And this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place until, unless your youngest brother comes from here. Send one of, one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison so that the words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them all in custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, verse 18, do this and you will live for I fear God. Verse 19, if you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in the prison while the rest of you go and take grain back to your starving households in Canaan. He's testing them. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. See, they had some guilt going on. We saw how distressed he was and he pleaded with us for his life but we would not listen. That's why the distress has come to us. They're feeling shame on their own. Joseph didn't give them the shame. They're feeling their own convictions about reaping what you sown. So Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, but you wouldn't listen? Now we must give an accounting for his blood. Reuben was the one in the beginning who warned them not to actually kill him because he was their brother. Let's just sell him instead, because that's better. He turned away from them and began to weep. Excuse me, verse 23. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. And then this is the part I want you to get here. He turned away from them and began to weep, but then came back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon take, taken from them and bound before their eyes. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to put each man's silver back in their sack. This is free. And give them provisions for their journey. That's supply. After this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys and left. At the place where they stopped for the night, one of them opened his sack to get feed for his donkey, and he saw his silver was in the mouth of his sack. He says, I paid for this. The money's in my bag. Wouldn't that be a little weird? especially when you're paying for something that there was very little of, like food at the time. It's looking a little sketchy. Verse 28, my silver has been returned, he said to his brothers. Here it is in my sack. 
their hearts sank and they turned to each other trembling and said, what is this that God has done to us? When they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. They said, the man who is Lord over the land, the man, the man spoke harshly to us and treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, we are honest men. We are not spies. We were 12 brothers, the sons of one father. One is no more and the youngest is now with our father in Canaan. Then the man who is Lord over the land said to us, this is how I will know whether you're honest man, leave one of your brothers here and take food for your starving households and go. Look to your neighbor and tell them to say, just go after church, just go. As, every, as they were emptying their sacks, man, I am lixdexic today on these scriptures, um, excuse me. Verse 34, but bring your youngest brother to me so I will know that you are not spies, but honest man. He's telling them what, the, what Joseph told them. Now they're reciting it to Jacob. Verse 35, as they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was all their silver. So every one of them got their money back. When they and their father saw the money pouches, they were a little spooked, frightened. Their father, Jacob, then said to them, you have deprived me of my children, Joseph. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me, says Jacob, who's Israel. Then Reuben said to his father, you may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you, and trust him to my care, and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, my son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, and he is the only one left with me. If harm comes to him on the journey you're taking, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in sorrow. My title today is Hiding Our Sorrow. Hiding Our Sorrow. This is really significant. This is really significant. Joseph had to make, you ever heard of tough love? Joseph had to make a decision in the moment to hide something that was his real raw reaction, but he had to hide it in the moment from his brothers. And I don't know about you, if you've ever been in a situation where you've had to hide something for a moment to get through it, it doesn't mean you weren't meant to let it out. It means you got to hold on to that for a minute and get through it. And so that's what Joseph saw. It's like this place of Pain and prevailing can be so delicate to walk in. And Joseph knew that in order to continue what God had set out to build, putting him in charge, he had to keep his composure under the pressure falling to his emotions around his loved ones, which is the hardest ones to do that, right? Like, it's easy to keep it together in front of strangers, but when the people that know you the best are there, it's hardest to hold it back, right? It's even harder to hold it back when they're the ones who did it to you. Can you imagine the pain? We've talked about it, but can you really imagine the pain that Joseph felt and all the things going through his mind as his brother stood and bowed in that moment? It's tough love. But sometimes we got to hide it for a season in order to move forward with our lives. And Joseph's perspective in that moment is to hide his emotions was not due to the lack of love for his siblings, but rather an instinct to keep the integrity of the moment because God has his siblings' attention in this moment. Now they need help. They're vulnerable. They need the voice of God more than ever 
And so Joseph has them right there to feed them in more ways than one. If he just bailed out on the mission of the dream in that moment, it could have messed up God's plan. So he had to hide his sorrow in verse 24 for just a minute to keep it going. They recognized the revelation of what God was doing and that they might be spared through the one they tried to withhold from God's calling. I think the brothers were feeling the presence of God in this. And yes, you could feel the presence of God back then because he still existed back then. And so they knew, they knew they were hungering, but they didn't know they were hungering for more than just the grain. So here they are at the feet of the one they were scared to reapproach because he was so mean to them, but really he had turned his shoulder and was weeping for them and for himself because of pain. Careful what you ask for. When God blesses you, you've got to own it. And right then, Joseph decided, this is what God gave me. I've got to own it. Some of you may be feeling like this is not what I expected God to do to get me through it, but if God gave it to you, you got to own it. You'll want to own it because it will be a good thing. There will be a blessing from it, but you got to own it. In our journey towards purpose, that's our mission here, our vision, excuse me, is discover God's perfect plan made just for you. What that means is everybody has a unique blueprint in the church, and together we become the body of Christ. And until we, we, we execute the blueprint into construction, we can't take hold of what God is doing as our piece of the body. Just because I'm a pinky doesn't mean you're not a thumb, you know? Jesus is the head. So like when we, when we remember we have a part of the body to be accountable for and to take hold of and to own it, we will look at life different. It's really cool because the big things become small things and the small things now become big things. What does he mean? I mean, the things that didn't hold value to now are most important. And the things you thought were big that were setting you back, you now see are insignificant. They're, they're smaller, they're minute because God is so much bigger now. See, it's a perspective thing. So I'm gonna keep hiding my sorrows in this season to find freedom in the next one. I'm gonna hide my sorrows when I feel that emotion coming out to find freedom in the next one. I wanted this message to address not only Joseph's mindset, but his brothers at this point. Remember, they were hungry in front of Jacob, but hesitant to go. Does that not sound familiar, somebody? Like, we just put it off? We can just put it off? I remember when I was like a teenager, I remember thinking, I'll get right with God after X, Y, Z. I just put it off and put it off and put it off. I was hungry enough to know there was more, but I was hesitant to go to the menu and order the thing and go pick up the food, you know? And so, so that, is the, that is the way we're still wired as, as humans. It's just our instinct to withdraw with, with pressure to move forward. But God says, when you step into that, I'm carrying you, and it actually will be quite easier than you think. It's the, it's the first step that is the hardest, 
So they were hungry, yet hesitant. But finally, Jacob, who had a little more wisdom, gave him a kick in the behind. That's, that's what I'm going to say, in the bottom, in the tush. When my kids were here, we say the bottom. I know it's like really proper and everything. We say the bottom. They're going to get a kick in the bottom. Get out the door. Get you some food because God wants to change your life. They didn't know it. They thought they were just getting some grain. God's changing the brothers. God has them bowing down to Joseph. They think they're being reverent to the governor. God is using Joseph to bring the brothers to the throne of God, the throne of grace for what they did. See, they're so full of shame. That's why they didn't want to leave. And I don't know about you, but shame can cripple you from never leaving your house. You can just keep telling yourself why God won't let you in. The brothers said, well, we, the, uh, they gave us our money back. This is scary. I don't think we should do it until the one with wisdom, the father Israel, which is why God gave Jacob the name Israel, because he knew he had the discernment to take the people forward, which we will see through these 12 sons down the road. I'm giving you a lot here who will become the 12 tribes, who will become millions of people. And if Jacob didn't kick the sons in the behind, guess where the million of people never would have came from? You getting this? Maybe we're one of the 12 right now. Maybe if you're watching online right now, you're one of the 12, and God is saying, go to Egypt. Your grandchildren are going to change the world, bigger than you can imagine. We don't think in layers like that. You have to think down the road like a vision seeker, like Joseph. When you see that way, you will see how valuable every minute of your day is. I was just thinking, Colton's turning nine tomorrow. Give it up for Taz. He's my youngest son. If you're new here, his name is Colton, but we call him Taz because he can kind of be a devil, but in a good way, you know, like a Tasmanian devil. And uh, the little, little sister he's got, that's my daughter too. We call her Tazette because they're a little bit ornery like that. He's turning nine. And I just had this revelation, Cody, last night. I don't remember four and five. I have moments I remember. Does anybody else felt this with their kids getting older, that they start forgetting, like, specifics, and there's gaps? And you start, acc- you start, you start um, acclimating to where they're at now, and that becomes your picture of them. And sometimes when you still look them in the face, you can still see the baby in them. You can still see that same person that after like two weeks after they you know, got a little bit of baby fat on that thing, they started looking cute, you know, like you said, that's, that's still my baby. But it gets harder as they change, but you can still see it when you look, you look into their soul. You can still see it when they're sick, and that's when they still want you to hold them. When you thought they, they're grown now and you're treating them like an adult, until they get a little sick and they say, Daddy, can you hold me still? Can I lay by you? But you've now trained yourself to be out of that season, so it feels foreign to you, but it's still the same person. So like, just like that relationship with Joseph and his brothers, like look at the transition that they don't even recognize their brother anymore. That's because they distanced from him for so long. God is telling you that distance makes the heart grow fonder because you need people in your life, and they were meant to be in your life. So that family member, that friend, that somebody that you used to talk to, that you, you've distanced from because of some, some silly thing, God says maybe it's time to plant a seed again. And maybe they won't reciprocate the seed, but at least you planted. God gives the increase. 
God didn't say grow your own tree. God said, you put the seed in the ground and I'll, I'll water it. One waters, one plants, God gives an increase, says Paul. So that's what we do as the merciful and graceful in Christ, no matter what. So they were hungry yet hesitant. And the sons weren't at the same place as Joseph spiritually. So they were, they were, they were on milk while Joseph was on meat. That makes sense. He was at a different step in his journey. But now the sons were taking a step to get towards the meat by going to Egypt. But their father had to push him there. Before we can get to that place of transition, you got to leave the house. I know the world has scared everybody, but you still got to leave the house. And until you leave the house, leave the house. You're limiting your potential. So good, so big, and you're putting it off to the next day. And the next day, God says, Go get some grain. It's good. So that's the son's perspective at this moment, I believe. Is they're carrying enough shame that they didn't want to go because of guilt, but really they know they needed to go and they felt something pulling them. Not only in the love of their brother, but the presence of God, I feel, was pulling them to Egypt because God was doing something through Joseph to touch them. That's the part we miss in this. The sons are always just the bad guys to us, but they're people too, and they made a mistake, and they have souls too, and they need Jesus too. We all need Jesus no matter what. God's calling somebody today from the couch. Maybe you're not feeling like Joseph, but you're a Reuben. And I'm not talking about the sandwich, though they're good most of the time. <laughs> Do you know they make a chicken Reuben? That's not right. That's a chicken sandwich with some sauerkraut. That's not right. Got to have the pastrami. Oh, Lord. Pastrami. The red stuff. Give me the red meat on there, Arby's. Okay, thank you, sir. I don't know. I said, give me the Reuben, the picture. Now they shut down on Highway K. Michelle's so happy. I'm not. She likes Lion's Choice. I like Arby's. We fight about it. We've gotten over it after 13 years. Anyway, a little inside there to my life. <laughs> so that's the sons. That's them. What about Joseph? Oh, this is good. This is good. Verse 24 said, when they approached him, what did he do? He turned away and he wept. Do you know how hard it is to do that? Do you know how hard it is to lock it in, turn away, and hide your sorrow? Because of fear? Maybe it's because of faithfulness? Because of whatever, it's hard to hit the brakes when the emotions start flowing. And when the brothers who threw you in the tank show up at your feet and now they're bowing to a dream you had that you even thought, well, I'm pretty sure it's God, but you weren't sure. And then you see them bowing. You're like, oh, my Lord, not only did I get to Pharaoh's office, but they're bowing like the dream that's going to freak somebody out, even when they know it's God's will. It's hard to handle the pressure. So in that weeping was joy, sadness, fear, concern. It's just an explosion of emotion that he was fighting, but he knew he had to hide it for his brother's sake. He loved them so much that he hid his sorrows 
for the season he's in with them. He couldn't blow his cover. He had to give them some tough love because if he caved in, they would have fallen right back to their old ways. Oh, it's just Joseph. It would have been cool for a minute. You know, like when you visit from out of town, it's cool. Everybody wants to see you until you move home. And then you're like, oh, well, we're busy. It's because it's not special no more. It wears off. And so the normal comes back and that's totally fine. But, but what happens is like Joseph's brothers were right at that pivoting point of that change of heart that I was talking about, like through the worship, through the need, through the exaltation of the name, because I, I'm starving for something and I need some grain, God. And so, and so right there, if he had said, oh, it's me, I missed you. Why'd you kill me? But I love you. They would have just, they would have been broken for a minute, but then they would have taken advantage of the situation because it wasn't totally out of them yet. It's still in them. It's not, God can touch you, doesn't mean you're whole again. God can touch you, he's pulling you somewhere, but you gotta keep moving towards the throne. People do that all the time. Well, God touched me, that makes me, like, it's like, 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 like I'm just made new by, by the presence of God. The presence of God is what's drawing you to a deeper relationship with God. And that cleansing of relationship is actually what makes you new. It's not a feeling. There's times I don't feel the presence of God, and I think, did he leave me? And then he slaps me around in the car and says, I'm still here. Woo, I forgot about that. And then I have a little, you know, party in my car. Holy Ghost party. And I don't know. This pastor's weird. He doesn't dance good. Don't do that again, pastor. Anyway, it's really hard. If you ever want to lead somebody, you're going to have to do this. If you ever want to lead anybody, that's, I'm talking about your children. You know you're a leader if you have kids. You know you're a leader if you have the dog, Louie. Mom, I know we're grown, but now you got Louie. You're a leader for Louie. My brother just gave up his dog. He's talking about dogs. I'm saying if you're leading anybody down a path, you've got to know when to hide your emotions because their sake is greater. What's at stake for them? is greater. So he was weeping in secret. He had to fight through it. He had to fight through it to put it behind him. If we keep running from the pain and running from the emotion, we'll never get through it. You have to fight through it to put it behind you. We have to deal with it. He was dealing with it just not in a way that we would think because he was hiding his emotion, but he was dealing with them according to the commandment of his charge, his authority in that moment. He turned off the brother and he says, I'm the governor. He turned off the dad and says, I'm the pastor. He turned off the, 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 the brother and said, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the boss of the, of the, of the job or, or I'm, I'm the captain of the ship or like whatever. Like, I bet you, I bet you, I can bet you Ben can vouch for this. When there's a situation in the plane, he has to turn off all those things and focus on the charge he's been delegated because that's the road that leads to success. Nate was in the Navy. Nate, I bet, and we've talked about this, when there's a situation, you've got to turn off the emotion and act according to the charge you've been delegated. Because if you don't, it'll crumble. So that's what Joseph did. He held his charge. It doesn't mean these people in the military that hold their charge don't have feelings too. They're people. It doesn't mean these people that, that are stern sometimes don't love you. Sometimes it means they do love you. Sometimes you've got to really... Be clear to cut through. Sometimes we need that. Joseph knew his brothers 
had to have that in that moment. So he had to weep in secret. We often think God doesn't know our burden because they don't. They didn't recognize him, but God does. They don't see it, but God does. So I'm going to hide it for God for a season. So good. Don't let the enemy rob you of progress because you feel the weight of those around you. They're not the meter of success. They're the statistical meter, but there's a spiritual meter that they don't even have awareness of. And so when God raises the spiritual meter, eventually the statistical meter will follow. It's good. We keep plowing. We hide our emotion for a season. We get through the field. Let me tell you a funny story. I used to sing in nightclubs. Like, I had the scully cap. David, remember the scully caps when those were, like, cool? Like the, like the, he's like, no, it was never cool. Why would you wear one? <laughs> I used to wear the scully cap. This was early 2000s when they were, like, cool. And I was doing, like, R&B bands. Only white guy in all black band. And I liked it that way. It was awesome. Because I was, I always say I was white chocolate. Anyway, <laughs> this is a long time ago. And so we would do like all the, all the songs and, and Eminem and all these things. And I remember it was two, two nights every weekend. Horrible gig. Horrible. I, couldn't, I didn't have a voice because the atmosphere was toxic. And I didn't know any better. I, was, I lived in Nashville. I was pursuing music. So I just wanted to be actively performing. And I had this personal situation. I'll never forget this. And if I've shared this, I'm going to share it again. I don't even remember at this point what I've shared with 1C Church because it all runs together. I was having a very difficult time, very difficult, the day of. See, see, let me put it this way. This was just a dumpy old place to most people, but this was the vision I had in my heart. And so my friend, who was also in the music business, he understood that this is bigger than just a gig at night. This is part of the plan of process to, to take, take the artist thing to the next level. And I was so crushed that day, I couldn't hardly speak. I was on the verge of tears. I was heavy, you know, like the brothers. And he says, turn it off. Hold on to it for later. But go do what you got to do. And I never forgot that. And, and, and y'all laugh because it was like so silly back then. You know, like I thought it was a problem. It was really nothing because I, I just didn't have anything to compare it to. And, and I'll never forget him saying, just put it over here. You've got to go through this. And I'll, I'll never forget it because as bad as it hurt for a minute, that's what I had to do. And that's, that's what we have to do. We don't let the enemy win. We don't fall to the pressure of the phone calls and the texts about Corona and the 27,000 chain emails on Facebook about Corona. Like we don't have a TV and an in a internet either. You know, this was last year. It's kind of funny. Like, like, like there was so much pressure in that to just say, let's just be like them. Let's just go back to normal life. But if you have the vision, come on, somebody. 
wake up them bones. If you have the vision, you don't look at the moment. You're looking down the road. Everything is based on what's down there. Everything is based on when the locks were freezing naked and the keys didn't work anymore and we couldn't feel our fingers. We were looking down the road. Remember that? Remember that? The locks quit working. Like Vincent, you remember that? The snow on the, on the minivan. We were looking at the picture down the road. We weren't looking at the minivan. We weren't looking at the school and at the thing and at the people breaking the signs and thinking it's cute and throwing them on, on Summer's Road. We weren't thinking about that. We're thinking about do it to us because we're taking this thing somewhere. And I love people, but when they say, I'm just going to stop by, like, you know what? That's great, but find a church that's your home and make it a mission. That makes me crazy. Can I just say that? I love y'all. No one here. But like, it's, it's, it's because what that is saying is that this is a part-time just side thing in my life. I'm not talking about one seat church. I'm talking about my relationship with Jesus. We got to quit picking and choosing and a la carte in this thing into a, into a nice little, little, little Harry and David in our life. Like this is, this is your life. This is the priority. And because we don't feel it, we say, well, maybe it's not the priority. And the peer pressure makes me think it's not the priority. And I got to stand up and be a leader and hide my sorrow and take a step because they want to go with me. They don't even know it yet. They don't even know it. That's why you can laugh it off. Because when you think they don't like you, you can say, they don't even know what they're doing. They're on milk. Some of them haven't even hit the, hit the milk bottle. Got to watch what I say. Haven't hit the bottle yet. The milk bottle. They don't even know what milk is. They don't know what replenishment is. The starvation is in the soul, the spirit. Like, they don't know that. That's why we hide our sorrow, and we keep looking at the prize. God will turn it around in a way that we just think is not possible. But with all things, with God, it's possible. I'm hiding my sorrows in this season find freedom in my next season. Here's what I want to get to as we get into closing here. I'm like preaching. When you start preaching, you quit watching the clock, and then you like become like a preacher. It's like, what, what is he thinking? Is he watching the clock? That was me. Does he know he's 32? You know, now I'm the one doing it. When Joseph, this is, this is, this is the thing right here. When Joseph stood in front of his brothers and hid his sorrow, right then, right then, he exchanged his pain for grace for his brothers. He put the pain aside because the grace was more important. The good thing about pain is it's just a feeling. It will eventually go away. So we know, we, we know we've, we've been hurt before. We've felt the pain before. We know what it's like when they make it a joke and it's not important and it's just a waste of time when we're freezing out there. The pain is just for a season. The grace is forever. The grace gets them into heaven where the pain doesn't live anymore. So you keep fighting through the pain because the grace is bigger than their misunderstanding. And so Joseph had a very valid reason to say, forget you, starve to death, wouldn't want to be you, you should have liked me then, I'm taken now by Pharaoh. Instead, he fed them, and he gave them their money back. And we'll see in the next two weeks 
which is the continuation of this, how he'll continue to still be and put being their brother first. He was exchanging pain with grace. If y'all could stand with me. He gave them the food and then he returned their money also. You ever like gotten something for free on accident? You ever had that thing from Amazon and they shipped it to you twice and you're like, oh, what do I do? Is it bad if I keep it? But then they said, just keep it. So I guess it's okay. Is anybody, is it just me? Okay. Anybody know what Amazon is? Do, 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 do. What? Oh man, you want to talk about Twilight Zone? If nobody knew what Amazon was? That's, we got priorities here at church. We're getting some feedback there. He exchanged pain with grace. God hears your cry and knows you're carrying something. But right now, to fix the something you're carrying, you exchange the pain for grace. It's not just a gig. It's exchanging the pain for grace. It's replacing that thing with something better so I don't have to live with that anymore. I'm taking it out of here, and I'm getting rid of it. Just get rid of it. In verse 28, he says, my silver has been returned, he said to his brothers. Here it is in the sack. Their hearts sank, it says. It's because he was exchanging pain with grace. God is, God is blessing somebody right now through this season of pain that you think is a punishment. This is God's way for you to exchange your pain for grace. Who's down for the challenge to exchange some pain this week for grace? Oh, when I get in my car, I just laugh sometimes. Oh, if they only knew. Woo, God is good and about to blow the roof off somebody. Not them, the place, you know. <laughs> Joseph chose to bless in spite of what they had done. He forgave them. Forgive somebody this week. Don't worry about if they reciprocated. Just forgive them. Just give them grace. Because if you didn't forgive them unless they did it, it wouldn't be grace. Is unconditional. Jesus loved unconditionally. It was all about a change of heart that had you put everybody outside of you as number one. Did you know that at the time of Jesus, the, 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 the culture believed that the sign of honor and reverence was everything on the surface? Sound familiar? Like the more money you had, the nicer clothes you wore, how you looked is how you were achieving honor. And Jesus shattered that thing. No wonder they crucified him because his philosophy was the direct opposite, that everything you are is in here and everything that gives you honor is what you do for them. You can go Google it. That's Roman, Greco-Roman culture. Jesus shook up that thing. That's why they weren't too happy about this because they were so inwardly focused on their needs that they stayed broken and disgusted and in, in every type of situation you could think because they were missing the mission of the gospel which Jesus came to deliver to them. He fought through the pain. I want to tell you one more story before we go into worship. Years ago, years ago, Years ago, there was a kid I met in a place after we were out of high school. And he says, hey, hey, Jeff, how's it going? I'm like, hey, Nick, what's up? I haven't seen you since like fifth grade. He says, I'm so sorry what I did, what we did to you. It's like, huh? It's like, we treated you so bad back then. I didn't remember any, I, I mean, I kind of remember now that he was bringing it up, but I had totally forgotten about it. 
I was 26 when I saw him. The first thing he said is, I'm so sorry for what we did to you. You see him carrying that all those years? Now, I had already forgotten about it, but he, and I forgave him for it because I didn't, I didn't care anymore. I was a man. I put away childish things as an adult. That's what the Bible says. As a spiritual adult, we throw away childish things. And I'm like, Nick, I appreciate that, man, but I don't, I don't think nothing of it. But he was carrying that. And so, so just like the sons, he was hesitant. So he just stayed clear until he was forced to encounter me and then reveal that. And so that showed me he was carrying that. So, so right then was an opportunity to say, yeah, you were a jerk. Or, hey, man, it's all good. Jesus loves you, which I wish I would have said back then. It's all good. God loves me, so I'm going to love you. I have no ill will to you because, because the world did the worst things they could ever do to Jesus, and if he could forgive them, I think I could forgive you for that. You know, like that's how you got to look at this thing. And when you take that to people, they're going to go, oh my Lord, that is so raw and real, and that's what I need. And I need to feel something different because I've been feeling dead all this time. And so, so God is calling somebody to the kingdom through you with that exchange let's pray you can praise for that let's pray and we'll get into worship God we're thankful for October coming and November coming soon God we're thankful for 2021 and we're thankful for 2022 and it don't make sense yet God but we see them we are a vision seeker and we didn't get in this thing to go small. We got in this thing to go big and eventually people are going to catch up and see that we weren't playing games and the pastor kept preaching it every week and nothing happened and every week and nothing happened and every week nothing happened. So now my visitation became a part-time thing. I'm going to go seek somewhere else. But then in just a, just a little bit longer, God says, just keep pushing the plow. Something's going to happen. Something's going to blow up. People are going to not know what to do. They're going to think one seed was just a joke and one seed's going to change their life because God was real in that place and we're not playing games, people. God, we give you thanks. Keep the fire in me to keep telling them like they need to hear it because even when they don't hear it, I don't care if they keep hearing it, God. You keep telling me to preach it and I'm going to let it out because they got to hear it. And I praise you, Lord, and I thank you for that. And I pray that you give them that same fervor. I pray you give those people online that same fervor that what's crazy in me is actually gospel from you and that they can have that too. We give thanks right now, God, and everybody together say in Jesus' name.